Welcome to Whatcom New Life Assembly's Sermon of the Week, where, as always, it's all good news. For more info on how to get involved in our church or to partner with our ministry, please visit us at whatcomnewlifeassembly.org. As we go on the message today, we, we are in for a treat because and uh, Jeremy and Raquel Swader, they are here with us today, and I know they've been here before, but for, the, for those who are new, I just want you to know, this is a couple that we're connected with. They're part of our family, and uh, they are part of the Light of the World Prayer Center in Bellingham, and they, they have a heart for Whatcom County. They just love Jesus with everything that they have, and it's, it's, a very, it's an honor to have you guys here this morning, and I'm excited about the word you're about to preach. So, Jeremy, come on up and give us Jesus. Well, thank you, John. Thank you, Wacom New Life. Good to see you. You look good. You look real good. Uh, so, hey, <laughs> hey, man, I like that. Uh, today, I get to help uh, preach on your guys' sermon series on bad words from the Bible. And my bad word from the Bible starts with the letter N. I'm not talking about racism this morning, um, although that's a really good topic. I, we're going to do the letter, the word no. Don't you just love it when someone says no? Isn't it great? No. I think that's one of the first words that every kid learns is no. Probably because they're hearing it a lot. No, don't put your finger in the light socket. No, don't walk off the cliff. No. Stop it. No. And so kids get really good at saying the word no. And yes, there is a no. We're going to talk about that. But I felt like I was supposed to share this part of my message first this morning. That there's actually a really big yes that God has for you and me. Yes. If you've got a Bible, open to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Starting at verse uh, 20. It says this. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of of God. I, I never put that together before I read that verse the other day. I was like, oh, that's why we say in Jesus' name, amen. Why? Amen means so be it. Why do we say in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name would be the same as saying like, in the name of the governor of so-and-so, in the name of the, on behalf of the authority of this individual, I say this. So when we pray something in accordance with God's will, and we say, in Jesus' name, so be it. The promises of God are going to happen when we say them in agreement with God's heart. It's going to happen. Because he is the way maker, the promise keeper. He is that light in the darkness. 
Jesus said this, though. He said, when I return, but will I find faith on the earth? Am I going to see anybody, when Jesus comes back, is he going to see anybody that's going to say, I know he's coming. I know his promises are true. I know he's going to work it out for my good and his glory. Is there going to be people that are going to hold on? Because the whole posture of the Christian life has to do with one simple thing. I know he says yes to me. He's not saying no to me. He's saying yes to me. I don't know if anybody else has felt this, but sometimes life can feel like you're sitting at a stoplight. And it's just never green. And you're waiting. And you're waiting. Can I tell you, that's one of the biggest lies that the enemy tries to throw our way. There is no red light unless he makes it red. You have a green light in Jesus to go for it. There is no limitation on you. There is only a yes in Jesus for all that he has for you. That's his plan for you and me. It's yes. It's not maybe. It's not, well, maybe if you just ran a couple extra miles. No, it's yes. My promise, my word to you is yes. You are not disqualified. You are not second string, but my promise to you is Yes. So, if God's promise to me is yes, where is the promise? Here's another question to you. If God's such a loving God, why do we see such pain in the earth in different spaces? Why is it that we have right now today in Yemen, there is over 4 million children that are predicted to be, to be starved to death by the end of this year because of all of the infighting and everything that's going on in Yemen. How is that even possible? If God is such a good God, where is the relief? A guy asked uh, Billy Graham that one day, and Billy Graham's response was, well, with so much soap in the world, why are there so many dirty people? Here's the point. Christianity only works in the place that it's applied. God doesn't just respond to need. God responds to faith. God responds to a heart that says, I am open to partnership with you. God responds to people that will take a step into the place of trust, into the place of darkness and saying, God, I'm leaning forward in this moment. And God meets us often on the other side of our obedience, on the other side of our trust. Sometimes I want to have some good guarantees before I take a step. I want to I know that the plan's going to work out. And God says, you don't trust the plan, you trust me. You trust me. The other thing I feel like God wants to share with us this morning is um, God didn't create chairs, cars, or houses. He, he didn't create books. He didn't create um, new movie shows or um, new inventions. But he did create trees and rubber and rocks. He created all the raw materials 
all the pieces necessary to create something. You see, God's into partnership. He could give you all the steps from A to Z and say, here's your life, everything. And he's, but he doesn't want to do that. He wants to say, here are the raw materials. What's in your heart? What do you want to create? And some of us sit on the sidelines waiting for God to fill in the gaps and say, this is what your life is going to be. Here, do this, do this, do this, do this. And God says, well, I gave you this whole life. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to create? And he drops dreams and thoughts in your heart. And he said, well, I'm just, I'm just waiting for God to let me know when to start. And God says, yesterday. How do you know what you're supposed to do with your life? I don't know. What makes you come alive? What, what transforms your heart? Where is it that you find yourself alive and vibrant? There are chances are there's something that God has for you in that space. God's desire is for your good. But it all comes down to this simple thing of trust, surrender, and leaning into the process. See, the world's surrender is like this. When the world says surrender, it says, I'm going to come with overwhelming force. I'm going to have terms that have no benefit for you, but just for me. And fear is going to be the reason why you surrender. But God's surrender... God's surrender comes with invitation, not overwhelming force. He comes with terms that are totally for your benefit, and love will be the motivation why you surrender. See, surrender to God's plan for your life is not a matter of God trying to fear you into something, coerce you into something. He comes with a simple invitation and says, here's the raw materials of life. Would you come with me on a journey and trust me? Would you surrender to my ways and my plan? It takes a trust to step out in that road. God is always saying yes to us. He's always saying yes to things that draw us closer in relationship with him. Anything that doesn't draw us into relationship with him, he's like, that's, that's really not your best. That's really not where you're going to come alive. But sometimes he says no. In James chapter 4, it says this. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you don't have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You don't have because you do not ask. Hello. Sometimes I wonder how much do we complain to God and how much do we actually ask God? How much do we just think thoughts about what we'd like our life to be when God is simply saying, hey, my son, hey, my daughter, ask me. Ask me and then let's go. Let's experience it together. Ask me what I have for you. You know, I would even say this. The the verses go on to say that you don't have because you do not ask. And you you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. That's true. But I want to say this. I want to challenge you, even in the spaces of our wrong motivations 
and our wrong desires and the places where maybe you're, it, it's a desire that sh- needs to be shifted, I want to challenge us to always come to God with all of our requests and all of our desires and lift it all up to him. You're like, God, I really want to be a multi-billionaire. Okay. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the desires of your heart. See, you can't shift the motivations of your heart. You can't make yourself more holy, more righteous, more loving, more whatever. The only way that the motivations of your heart and my heart are going to come into alignment with God's is if we hang out with him. We hear his heart. He talks to us, and then we realize, you know, this and this is actually what's more important. And, and I do want to make money, but... Man, living it for myself, that's, that's just going to be boring. It's not enough. It needs to be for something bigger than just a momentary comfort or thrill. I need more than that. God has a greater purpose in it. So let's bring our requests to God. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. I just want to challenge you with this simple thought, though. Jesus said in Matthew 7, if you being evil... That's you and me. Know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more will your heavenly father give good, give good gifts to those that ask? That's you and me, folks. He has good gifts for you and me. Always. I was listening to a business leader talk the other day. And uh, he was sharing about his business. And he had a supplier come into his business. And they, they made this deal. They were talking, and the supplier said to him, you know, we really appreciate your business, so what we want to do is cut costs by 3%. So your bill is going to be 3% lot less this next year than it was last year. And this individual said, he's like, yeah, that's not going to work for me. So he said, oh, okay, well, tell you what, I'll go talk to my boss. Maybe we can get it down to 5% or maybe 7%. And he says, no, 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 I don't think you understand You see, I know that you have a son that's going to go to college next year. And I know that if we cut our rates, you're going to have less money in your pocket to pay for those college bills. So that's not going to work for me. In fact, I've actually budgeted for an 8% increase in cost to your bill. So actually, I would like you to raise my bill by 8%. The guy took a moment. He's like, "Uh, am I hearing you correctly? He's like, yeah, tell you what, I'm going to go make some coffee. Why don't you go call your boss, and if he wants, I can talk to him. Okay. So he goes, calls his boss. Sure enough, the boss wants to talk to him. And he's like, am I, am I hearing you correctly? Like, you want to increase your cost on yourself? He's like, yeah. You know that song we were singing earlier? I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk, lets the blind to see. Folks, we have a limitless God. Everyone around you should be more blessed when they leave you than when they first met you. You know what ended up happening? He's already made up the cost for that 8% in his business. And you know what? That guy, he doesn't want to just talk about merchandise anymore. Now they sit and they talk about family. They sit and they share heart and life. Why? Because this one guy has realized something about the economy of God. There is no limit to what God has. 
When we live with a poverty mindset and we only have this much, we cut ourselves off from the blessing of God. But when we realize that he is more than enough, like God's not counting pennies, folks. Like he's really okay. And can I tell you, in this region, in our area of the country, we struggle with this concept. We often can feel a poverty mindset in this area that there's not enough. We're not going to make it. Man, I hope we can push through the end of the month. I'm telling you, my God shall supply all of my needs. That's who he is. That's his character. No, no, that's who he is. So if that's who he is, and if God is real, is God real? So if that's who he is, and that he loves you, that even means this. When you make bad decisions, he still loves you. And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Period. That's who he is. So, yes, there's stewardship. Yes, we're supposed to take care of things. Yes, we want to manage our finances and our time well. Amen. That's beautiful. But it's not out of fear. It's out of passion. Fear says, I better get this right or I'm going to be in trouble. Passion, love says, man, I just want to live a life of excellence because God's so good and he has so much for me and I've got big dreams. That's the stewardship I want to have. Folks, there is so much more for us. Relationally, financially, dreams. He's called us to life and life abundant. Amen? Come on, amen? Yeah. See, it's not about this prosperity doctrine of just like, oh, we're trying to get a bunch of stuff. No, 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 no. I don't care about the stuff. I care about who he is. He's a good God with unlimited resource. That is our God. He will supply my every need. I think often we've seen the church in these two veins. The walk of God, we've seen it in these two veins. Legalism and rebellion are the only options that people feel like they have. Legalism says this, you better stay in line, you better keep all the rules and do everything I told you, otherwise you're in trouble. Rebellion says, well, I want freedom, so I better toss off all the rules and I better go, I'm going to go my own way because that's the only way I'm going to live life. So I'm going to toss it all off so I can actually live. Legalism is a horrible idea. Can I get an amen? It's stupid. It'll drain the life out of you and it leaks you living life like a checklist. I hope I make it. And you have two options in this version. One, you get prideful because you feel like you're better than everybody. Or two, you feel like you're horrible because you're worse than everybody. And it all depends on who you're looking at. So it doesn't work. Rebellion... Rebellion is a huge dead end because all you do is you live a life without boundaries, without walls, and there's so much pain. Whoever coined the phrase, just follow your heart, that's a horrible idea. It says in the word of God that the heart is deceitful above all else. Who can know it? If I live by how I feel, I might drink gasoline tomorrow because it smells good. Right? My definitions are what's good and what's bad. It's ever-changing. And we live in a culture where it's like what's good today might be bad tomorrow. There's no foundation. You just float adrift. 
and the loudest voice wins. That's not safe. There's a lot of brokenness there. We've all experienced the ways of rebellion where we've done things because it felt right and it doesn't work. It says in the word of God that the wages of sin is death. I don't want that either. So I don't want legalism. That's the way of bondage. And I don't want rebellion. That's the way of a lot of wounds. What's left? The way of love. See, love is not just caring deeply about someone. This is love. That one came and he laid down his life because he loved. Love is surrender. Love is I value you so much that I give you my best. Love is not an emotion. Love is not deep feelings of whatever. No, no, no. Love is I give you my best. And then there's a lot of emotion that gets wrong along with that. See, my emotions shouldn't lead the train. My emotions are behind the train. Why I step in with a will-filled heart to God and say, God, you gave your all for me. So I'm actually going to step into love. And guess what? When I follow the way of love, I fulfill the law. Why? Because I don't want to hurt him. You don't have sex before marriage because you're trying to fulfill some law. You don't have sex before marriage because you don't want to hurt him. And you don't want to hurt your spouse. You, you don't lie anymore. Why? Not because you're trying to be good. But because that's not who he is and I want to be like him. I'm faithful to my spouse. Why? Because God really loves family. And man, he's done so much in my life. I love him. I want to honor him. And I want to honor my wife. And so it's not about trying to measure up anymore. See, the law is no longer my judge. It's my mirror. It's a mirror that shows me who he is. The law shows me the character of God. And it also shows me this. I can't do it. I have no ability to accomplish this. But when his love enters my heart, there's a motivation that changes everything. And I go, man, I'm a piece of work, but somehow that worked out okay. And then the ways of rebellion where the promise of of pleasure and joy and freedom, I realize there's actually not freedom in that. That There is no law against being loving. There is no law against living an extravagant, generous life. And I find that I'm more alive in this place of wholehearted love and devotion than I ever was in trying to fulfill my desires and my own ability. It's the way of love. See, any no that God gives us, there's all these different no's. There's actually more laws in the New Testament than the Old Testament. Did you know that? We always talk about the Old Testament being lots of laws. In, in some of the books of the Bible, there's all this stuff about like, look, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Why are they saying that? There's a bunch of people coming out of a life where they've never known anything in God and suddenly they're like, they need some ground rules. Like, hey, look, it's probably not a good idea to sleep with your father's wife. Just FYI, bad idea. And and these people are coming out of places of brokenness. And so Paul and the other writers are writing all these things saying, look, this is not the way to God's heart. Let me show you a better way. And now here, God comes 
He shows us his word, not to condemn us, but to say, if you want to know me, walk this way. Any no that's in scripture is a protective no. Not a limiting no. Any no that God gives you is not to condemn you, to box you in, to put you in a cage. No, 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 no. It is a no to simply say, on this other side is pain. On this other side is separation. On this other side is injustice. And I want to keep you away from that. Any no is a protective no. There's another kind of no, though. I, and this one's a big deal. Paul, he um, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. It says in 2 Corinthians 12, he says that three times I pleaded with God. I had this thorn in the flesh. I had this thing in my life that I didn't know what to do with, and I couldn't get rid of it. And he was overwhelmed by it. I mean, in fact, so much. Think of this guy. He was shipwrecked, beat. He um, had whole mobs coming after him. Did that overwhelm him? No. He had the pressures of the church on him day and night. He had all of these heavy things in his heart and on his life. But this one thing, it overwhelmed him. He, he didn't know what to do with it. He, he couldn't get away from it. And so he pleaded with God, take this away. No. What, what overwhelms you? What puts you in a position where you're overwhelmed? And you say, God, if, I, if only this was removed from my life, if only this was different, man, this would be a lot easier. God, would you take this away? And he goes, no. God, if you would, if you would just take this away, I could serve you better. I would be better in this space. God, this, this struggle with my finances, this struggle in my marriage, this health issue, this, this place. Man, I, you go to the hospital and you're praying over the person and, and you're believing God for a miracle. You tell the nurse that they're going to be healed and it doesn't happen. No. It says that he prayed three times. You know, he was, Paul was actually preaching one day. There was a guy sitting in a second story window, leaning out of the window. He fell asleep to, to Paul's preaching. Please don't fall asleep to my preaching. If you do, it's okay though. He fell out, died. Paul goes down, prays for him. He comes back to life. How many times did he pray there? Once. The guy was raised from the dead. And here he is, he prays three times. Nothing changes. Have you ever felt that, that sometimes you'll pray for other people and things happen quickly? You got great advice for everyone else and you go home and you're like, I don't know what to do. 
There's, there's actually several stories of that all throughout church history of men and women of God struggling with illness and struggle and all this different stuff. And they have all these incredible miracles and things that around their life. And yet for some reason, there's this thing and it's there and it doesn't go away. And why God? No. Overruled. You know, there was another story that was just like this in the Bible. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, and he says this to his father. He says, Father, if this is not your will, could you take this cup of the sin of the world away from me? Overruled. No. He goes to his disciples, and he says, could you guys keep praying? He goes back. He prays again. Father says again, no. One more time, he goes, guys, can you pray with me? He goes, no. Then he says, well, if it's your will. I I don't think Jesus was reluctant to go to the cross. He was overwhelmed. There was a lot in that space. There was an overwhelmingness in that. And in the end, Jesus simply said this, let your will be done. Can I tell you folks that we have heavy things that walk in our life and our physical ability can't handle it? In illness and struggle and weight and finance, whatever it is, there's struggles. But what did God say to Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. You know, that chair that you're sitting in was designed to carry a load, a certain weight. It was designed with you in mind that when you sat in it, it would bear the weight. Can I tell you that there is grace that's been designed for you ahead of time to bear the weight of every struggle and every heavy thing that you've stepped into. God's word to you and to me is yes. But there's sometimes when we pray and we hear a no and his word is really my grace is sufficient for you. I will carry you in this. I might not take this away, but I'm going to carry you through. Romans 4.16 says this. For it depends on faith that the promise might rest on grace. Folks, this whole thing comes down to the fact that we need God's grace. You need God's grace to step into the dream and the plan that he has for your life. You need God's grace to withstand a trial that for whatever reason God is saying, I want you to walk through it. You need God's grace when your motivations are wrong and you're not walking in right relationship with him that his grace can come and change the motivations and the fabric of your heart. We need God's grace. But it's not 
going to go just to the guy that really wants it. It's going to go to the guy that reaches out by faith. Story in the New Testament. A Pharisee stands, this guy, this religious leader, and he says, God, I thank you that what I've done is I've, I fast three times a week. I do all these good things. Thank you that I'm not like that guy, that tax collector over there. And the tax collector comes, stands a far way off, hangs his head and says this simply, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. What's the difference between the two? Self-reliance. The only way forward in the kingdom of God is the person, the man, or the woman that says, God, have mercy on me. Reveal to me you and your will. God, take my heart, make it right. Sustain me through this trial. God, give me vision for my life. You might ask the question, why Jesus? Because he is the only lifeboat that's not sinking. He's the only one, the only way that God, the only one that could take us out of our space and bring us to him. Because the only, every other way says there must be self-reliance, but God says it's only in the cry, the honest cry to me. If we could um, jump on the keyboard, that'd be awesome. I want to sing, uh, can we sing the Waymaker song? Would that be okay? Cool. Okay. <laughs> We're going to receive God's grace today. How do you do that? You take a step of faith. So here's, here's my word to you today. Your heart's not right. Your relationship with God. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with God. Maybe you're just in a pattern of, of sin and you're just, honestly, you're just not connected to God. You need God's grace. Two, you're walking through a struggle and a trial. It could be anything, but honestly, you're simply saying this. I'm overwhelmed. Like, I can't, I can't do this. I need grace. Third, God has a vision and a calling for your life. There is a purpose and a destiny that God has for you. You need God's grace to step into it. To stop looking at the red light and realize you have a green light from God today. If that's any of any of those categories, can we actually just all stand on up? And I'm going to ask if that's, if you fit any of those categories, could you just come on up front? I'm only asking this, that you could have a personal space, just you and God. If that's you in any of those categories, I just want to challenge you to come on up. And we're going to sing this Waymaker song together. This is just a simple step of faith. You need grace. I need grace. Just put those words of the song up there, the Waymaker song. Can we just, can we just close our eyes real quick? 
God, I, I pray right now. We really need you. God, I just want to identify with that tax collector today. I'm a piece of work, and apparently you like me a lot. So, Spirit of God, we just invite you in this room and in this space. Speak to our heart, whatever we need to hear. We're asking today that the Waymaker would do something in us. You just put your hands out in front of you all across this house. Just kind of, this is like an open position. Just, God, I'm open. I want to receive from you. Let's just say this together. God, I'm taking a step of faith. I'm going to follow your voice. I'm going to trust your lead. I'm asking for grace. Let's just all pray this together. Maybe you don't know know Jesus, but or maybe you do, but let's just all pray this together. Jesus, I nail everything I've ever done to the cross. All my stains and all my victories. I give it all to you. I nail self-reliance to the cross. It's not my life anymore. I nail a life of rebellion to the cross. It's not my life anymore. I nail a life of legalism to the cross. I'm not going to earn it my way, earn my way anymore. So God, I just pray over each one of us today that we right now, we, we just surrender God. Like we surrender to this way of love that simply says you have a better way than I do. We want to trust you. We say that if you overcame death and the grave, then I'm pretty sure you got something good for me. So we pray salvation in this house for every person. Second of all, I just, this is a really deep one, but if everyone could just put a hand on your heart. God, I I lift up to you every place where we heard a no from you. Or God, a trauma came in our world and it didn't go away. Pray for every person in this room, God, that said, God, where are you? They had Satan yelling in their ear, where is God in this space? And I say this right now, let the peace of God that passes all understanding guard every person's heart and every mind in this room in Christ Jesus. I'm asking right now, God, for grace to flood this room. Flood this room, God. Pray for every every mother that lost a child. I pray for every person walking through illness. God, I pray right now we're asking for the power of God to be released. I'm praying, God, for grace. Jesus, we right now believe that you're with us in this moment, like right now. Let's just sing that chorus real quiet.
Possible situation. Let's sing it again. Waymaker, miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. One more time. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God. That is who you are. So some of you in this room too, you, you're, you're walking in the dark. You're like, what the heck am I supposed to do with my life? I don't understand this season. God's word to you today is from James, where it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. Okay? Generously he gives wisdom. So God right now, I thank you that you're a generous God. And just let's speak that out. God, we thank you that you're a generous God. Here's the struggle, folks. We have to stand still enough to let him give us the answer. I have to trust him enough to not move. I have to trust him enough to say, you will provide. You will speak. I'm going to stand here and let you speak to me. So, God, we pray right now over every heart, be still. Come on. God, we, we pray right now, be still. Every heart, every heart, God, every place of anxiety, fear, struggle, God, we give it to you right now. That is who you are. That is who you are. Waymaker, let's sing that. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Be still, my heart. Let's sing it out one more time. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who So can we do this to everybody up at the front? If you could just, everyone there, can you just extend a hand? And this is really all we're saying with this is, God, I agree with what you're doing in their life. Okay, I agree, and I'm asking God that your presence could reach them. So God, we, we just agree right now over our loved ones at the front here, and we're saying, God, grace. God, we thank you for strength in the midst of the storm. We thank you that your your honest answer to each one of us is yes. Like, you're my son. You're my daughter. Like, absolutely yes. I got good things for you. I pray, God, today that, that their path would be made clear and straight. That they would know, God, that you have a good future for them. Grace. 
And I just say this over everybody. I feel like there's some people in here, you've been struggling with some patterns of addiction for a long time. And I just feel like God looks at you and says, no condemnation. Like, you're not disqualified. Just come home. Just come close to my heart. You will be transformed by the proximity that you are to me. Just come a little closer. So God, we link shields with every person in this place. And we say, God, you're the miracle maker in our heart. You're the miracle maker, God, with people struggling with anger and fear and lust. God, you're the miracle maker, God, in the places of doubt, in the struggles, in all of it. You are the miracle maker. And God, we just pray right now a release of that. And I thank you, God, that it's not up to our effort, but it's up to your completed work. You did it. You completed it. Just thank you for your grace, God. So here is how it works. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is based off of trusting God's word and responding to it. Peter walked on water, right? Jesus said, hey, Peter. Peter said, hey, Jesus, let me walk out there. And Jesus said, come. Why was Peter able to walk on water? Because Jesus said, come. So when I grab his word and he says something to my heart, and then I respond to it by faith, there's power in that for transformation and grace is released. Grace is not released. Listen to this. This is really important. Grace is not released because I work really hard. I know a bunch of people that got sick and tired and left because they're like, man, this God thing doesn't work. The God thing doesn't work because you're trying the way of effort. The only way this works is in trusting in and responding to what he says. Good stuff? So what is he saying? Is he saying start a business? Is he saying get rid of your smartphone? Is he saying to you, trust me? Is he saying to you, worship? I find that's often one of the biggest things God says in the midst of a storm. Get your eyes up. Look at me. Stop stop looking at this. Look at me. Worship. He is definitely saying, look at me. So God, we just thank you for this morning. I pray every person here, God, especially me, I need it too. I, I pray, God, every person here leaves with a clarity of what you're saying to them. That you are the way maker. That there's power when I agree with you and I partner with you. You really are the way, the truth, and the life. You really are. So the band's going to keep going, and if you want to get prayer, there's going to be people up here. If you don't know Jesus, and this is what I mean, if you do not know his voice, would you come talk to us? Because God wants to invite you into the best relationship you've ever had. Not the way of legalism, not the way of rebellion, but the way of love. So Spirit of the Lord, we just uh, open this space up. We're all dismissed, but God, we just open this space up right now. 
Come on, everybody that's here, let's open up your heart. Let's lift up our voice. God, we cry out right now. By faith, would you meet us in this moment? Would you speak to my heart? Would you change our lives? God, would you break chains of addiction and fear and apathy? God, would you, would you take us, God, and bring us into the life that you called us to live? There's so much more. There's so much more. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit us at wacomnewlifeassembly.org. I worship you, I worship you.